Hey everyone, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hope you're enjoying the three-day weekend. Today, we're going to dive deep into who Martin Luther King Jr. was and what he stood for. We're going to dive deep and expose the left as they have seemingly forgotten what he preached. Finally, how can we use Martin Luther King Jr.'s philosophies in today's world? It's going to be fun and important. I'm super excited for this, guys, and you should be too. Are you ready? Let's go. Martin Luther King Jr. is arguably one of the most important figures in American history as he led the charge for the integration of black people into our society. He was born January 15, 1929, in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, and he went and graduated as valedictorian from Morehouse College, and he went back to earn his doctorate. Now, the president of Morehouse College, Benjamin E. Hayes, helped him develop his spiritual life, and Hayes really influenced Martin Luther King Jr. to create social racial change in society. Now, MLK Jr. graduated again with his Ph.D. at 25 and became the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church of Montgomery, Alabama. Now, around this time is when Rosa Parks protested giving up her seat to a white man. She was in the first row of the colored section on the bus, but when the white section filled up, there were white men standing, and when she refused the bus driver's order to give up her seat to the white man, she was arrested and fined $14. On the very night she was arrested, E.D. Nixon head of the local NAACP chapter, met with King and the other local civil rights leaders to plan the Montgomery bus boycott. Sound familiar? King was elected to lead this boycott because he was young, well-trained, with solid family connections, and had professional standing. But he was also new to the community and didn't have many enemies, and they thought that he would have strong credibility with the black community. In King's first speech as the group's president, he declared, We have no alternative but to protest. For many years, we have shown an amazing patience. We have sometimes given our white brothers the feeling that we liked the way we were being treated. But we come here tonight to be saved from that patience that makes us patient with anything less than freedom and justice. King's skillful rhetoric put new energy in the civil rights struggle in Alabama. The bus boycott involved 382 days of walking to work, harassment, violence, and intimidation for Montgomery's African-American community. Both King's and Nixon's homes were attacked and vandalized. Now, there were also the Greensboro lunch counter sit-ins because black people were not allowed to sit at the lunch counter and eat lunch, they sat there, peacefully got arrested, went to jail, were released, and repeat. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. also had a famous letter 
from the Birmingham jail where he said, quote, nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and foster such a tension that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. And most famously, Martin Luther King Jr. addressed nearly 400,000 people at the March on Washington. I'm going to play a clip of this, and we'll dissect it. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream. So I want to go really deep into that last part where he says, I hope to live in a nation where my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, humans obviously cannot control the color of their skin. So what I take away from this is that the color of your skin doesn't matter. But what really matters is who you are as a person. If you're an asshole... No one's going to respect you. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. If you're a good person, it also doesn't matter what color your skin is. People are going to respect you. And that is what Martin Luther King Jr. wanted. That was his end goal. Now, in 2021, unfortunately, a little more than half the country has completely forgotten This message, the organization Black Lives Matter, is solely focused on race, 100% focused on race. Now, I'm going to go deep into this because this really enrages me. The Democrats obviously do not care about you. They don't. They want your vote. And it's funny how every four years around election time is when all of a sudden, Oh, they're so woke about race. Like, didn't you see that did you see that thing about a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago? BLM put out, it's been 32 days since we've heard from Biden-Harris administration about racial reform. It's because they don't care. Okay? Hate to put it bluntly, but it's true. Now, BLM, you're not immune from the problem. You are the problem, okay? You victimize black people so much that they think they can't succeed in society. 
with uh, Critical Race 3, where the color of your skin predestines your life. That is not true. And I am not a person of color, so I'm going to get hate saying, I'm racist, I'm ignoring the facts, blah, 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 I get it every day. But you know what? And this isn't me trying to make myself seem like a good person or something. I, I think I'm a good person, but I'm not virtue signaling, if you will. My, I mean, two of my best friends, one of them's Persian and one of them's Mexican. If they're listening to this, they can testify for that. You're not going to make a positive change if you keep forcing black people into this submissive state of mind where they think they're a victim and they can't live the American dream. Another thing Black Lives Matter does is take Martin Luther King Jr.'s quotes completely out of context. Black Lives Matter often tries to justify destroying the cities, burning cars, destroying windows, torching Wendy's and Target by quoting MLK and saying, a riot is the language of the unheard. Well, you know, you take that quote two sentences before, and it says, the limitations of riots, moral questions aside, is that they cannot win, and their participants know that. Hence, rioting is not revolutionary, but reactionary, because it invites defeat. It involves an emotional catharsis, but it must be followed by a sense of futility. So, contrary to popular belief by BLM, essentially, Martin Luther King Jr. did not like riots. Hence why he used civil disobedience. And that is what creates change. That is the most effective method in creating change. Another way BLM has completely abandoned Martin Luther King Jr., and his teachings is the nuclear family. Now, for a while, BLM, in their mission statement, said that it was their goal to dismantle the nuclear family. You know, the father, mother, and children. One of MLK's more famous quotes is, The group consisting of mother, father, and child is the main educational agency of mankind. So... MLK Jr. is very pro-family because he understands that having a tight-knit family is great for a child. A child without a father or without a mother statistically is more likely to join a gang or end up in jail. BLM, my question to you is how do you align with MLK in any way? I would love to find something. Yes, you both want equality. Well, BLM, have you ever thought that you are kind of manufacturing this inequality victimhood? Now, there are bad police officers in this world, in this country. There are. There's some bad apples. But to say all cops are bad is completely disastrous and stupid, quite frankly. Let's, let's just take a look at the case of Breonna Taylor. Whoa, I'm going there. Yeah. Okay, get ready, guys. So, Breonna Taylor was killed by a police officer. Now, why was she killed? The media will tell you that she was 
peacefully in her sleep. Oh, an EMT, a hero. The police in cold blood murder just came in and shot her. Okay, that sounds a little extreme. Now, I, as a rational person, questioned this at first. And when we found out what really happened, the boyfriend, when the police showed up and identified themselves, decided to shoot at them through the door. Of course, they're going to fire back. And no, Brianna Taylor was not asleep. She was in the crossfire in the hallway, which ended up having her killed. When you put yourself in a situation where you're shooting at the police, yeah, you can expect them to fire back. Rayshard Brooks, he fell asleep in a Wendy's drive through line, and when the cops gave him a sobriety test, they found that he was under the influence. They were arresting him for a DUI. And what did he do? He resisted arrest and wrestled the cops to the ground where he grabbed the officer's taser. Now, he grabbed the taser, started running, and shot the taser at them. Now, it is police protocol to where if you... If a suspect puts you in a place of danger where you could quite possibly lose your life, you act. Let's just go hypothetically. Hypothetically, Rayshard Brooks shoots the officer with the taser, incapacitating him for about 30 seconds. How can you know for sure that Rayshard Brooks would not have grabbed the officer's handgun and shot both of them? How can you know that for sure? You can't. That is why the officer shot Rayshard Brooks. My point is, this was not a racially motivated shooting, okay? He was arrested simply because he was under the influence while driving and fell asleep in a Wendy's drive through line. Now, how did BLM respond to this? Oh, they burned down the Wendy's. That's a great way to show racial justice. Burned down a Wendy's. I love it. Honestly, it just shows how juvenile the whole movement is. Tying this back to systemic racism, there is no right that white people have that black people do not have. The system is not racist. However, the system that 94% of black people vote for is what causes them to be economically less than the rest of America. Which phrase do you think gives a better life to black families, black individuals? Phrase number one, you are a victim. You need the government to take care of you because the system is rigged against you and you cannot do it on your own. Phrase two, you have equal opportunity as the rest of America. You have the opportunity to live the American dream. If you apply yourself, you will accomplish anything you want in life. You just have to put your mind to it. If you treat people with respect, you will get respect in return. It does not matter what color your skin is. Which one sounds less racist? Because in a raw form... That, phrase one, Democrat Party. Phrase two, Republican Party. The Republican Party, the party of Lincoln, is not racist. 
they'll tell you you're racist because, oh, I don't think the black person sitting next to me on the plane is a victim. I don't even realize he's, it doesn't cross my mind that, oh, he's black. You know, he's a victim. What a racist thing to say. Of course, I don't think that. You know, I just look at him as a human being. I'll say hi to him. Oh, you like Star Wars too? Great. You're a cool person. I'm going to talk to you on this flight. Not, oh, I'm not going to talk to you because you're black. I don't know anyone who would think that. I don't know anyone who says that. However, the left is manufacturing this narrative that every Trump supporter is that way. Donald Trump created the lowest black unemployment in American history. He received the largest share of the black vote since 1960. Now, if the Republican Party was truly racist against black people, that would not have happened. And you know why the unemployment went down? Do you know why black people realized, oh, hey, Donald Trump is not a racist? For a few reasons. Number one, he created more jobs, more opportunity. When there's more opportunity in your community to work, of course there's going to be an increase in the average income, the increase in, in employment. Now, he also created safer neighborhoods by preaching law and order. When you have safe communities, you have less gangs, you have less crime, less drug overdoses, less suicide. You have more resources to create a safe society. Now, this directly correlates to success in school, having a complete family, and honestly, being able to go in day in, day out, giving 100% and knowing I am going to be safe. Nothing is a guarantee, but having a strong, safe community with law enforcement can almost guarantee that. And the third reason, this one's a little bit less known. And I forget the name of the college, but every year they would have to come back to the federal government under the Obama years and negotiate a budget for them to operate the college. And this was a predominantly black college, by the way. And when President Trump got into office, he gave he gave him a 10-year deal with more money than they had been negotiating for. Now, why would he do this? Because he wants the black community to succeed. He wants the school system for black people to be better. A nice college now has 10 years of funding, more funding than they even thought they would receive. If Trump was truly a racist, he would not have done that. He probably would have stripped funding from the college altogether. Of course he didn't do that. Donald Trump is not a racist. The Republican Party is not a racist party. I personally am not a racist. But they will tell you you are. And that is wrong. And I'm going to say it again. They just want your vote. And Martin Luther King, if he was around today, he would not side with BLM on this. He wouldn't. I'm saying it now. He would side with the Republican Party. The party that does not look at skin color. The party that provides equal opportunity for everyone, as President Trump did over the last four years. Martin Luther King would condemn the BLM riots that ensued all summer. 
he was a man of civil disobedience. And changing gears here, I want to talk about civil disobedience. Now, I, last night, listened to Charlie Kirk at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. It was an amazing time. I was there with two friends. And he, he said something that really stuck with me. Biden, I don't even know if he remembers, but he said one of the first things he was going to do in office was do a 100-day mandatory national lockdown. And Charlie Kirk, I'm going to hold you to this statement. You said that you would lead the charge to civil disobedience against this lockdown, meaning you would be ready to get arrested in the name of keeping our communities open. I loved that because like you said, like I said earlier, it is the most effective change. You're going to get more approval by creating a statement in a civilly disobedient way as opposed to burning down a target. Okay? And that's true. And Charlie Kirk, if you're listening to this, I know you're not. But I'll be right there with you. I'll be right there with you in civilly disobeying these orders, these tyrannical, unconstitutional orders. We're going to have to civilly disobey whenever we can on social media. Now, some of us are still around, but if you listen to the exposed Twitter Project Veritas video, you know that a bigger purge is coming. And I honestly don't know how much we can do on social media. I don't. There's it's, it's all up in the air. I'm just going to have to wait and see what happens. I'm going to post. I'm going to do whatever I still can while I can. And once I can't, I'm going out and I'm going and doing it in person. That is my promise to you guys. I will not stop fighting for what I know is right. I will not submit to the leftist mob. And neither should you. If you're listening to this, I suggest that you do something. I suggest that you act. Inaction is what will lead to the downfall of our constitution. If we do nothing, we will fall. But I know we won't because we are strong patriots. And it is in our blood as Americans to do something, to innovate. We are entrepreneurs. Just remember, the Republican Party is the party of inclusion. It's the party of opportunity, and it is the party that believes all lives matter. That's how I'm going to end today. Civilly disobey, treat people based on the content of their character, and enjoy the rest of your three-day weekend. God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, consider going to PukaUSA.com. Pick out a nice t-shirt for yourself. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, at Michael Lother and The Puka Show at The Puka Show. Like and subscribe and tell a friend and invite them to start their own free thinking journey. I'll see you in the next episode. God bless.